Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late-night conversations by real-life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? The Hymn of Apollo. The sleepless hours who watch me as I lie, curtained with star-interwoven tapestries from the broad moonlight of the sky. Fanning the busy dreams from my dim eyes, waken me when their mother, the gray dawn, tells them that dreams and the moon is gone. Then I arise and climbing heaven's blue dome, I walk over the mountains and the waves, leaving my robe upon the ocean foam. My footsteps pave the clouds with fire. The caves are filled with my bright presence and the air leaves the green earth to my embraces bare. The sunbeams are my shafts with which I kill, deceit that loves the night and fears the day. All men who do or even imagine ill fly me and from the glory of my ray. Good minds and good actions take new might until diminished by the rain of night. I feed the clouds, the rainbows, and the flowers with their ethereal colors, the moon's globe, and the pure stars in their eternal bowers are cinctured by my power as with a robe. Whatever lamps on earth or heaven may shine are portions of one power, which is mine. I stand at noon upon the peak of heaven. Then with unwilling steps, I wander down into the clouds of the Atlantic even. For grief that I depart, they weep and frown. What look is more delightful than a smile with which I soothe them from the Western Isle? I am the eye with which the universe beholds itself and knows it is divine. All harmony of instrument or verse, all prophecy, all medicine is mine. All light of art or nature to my song, victory and praise in its own right belong. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 52. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined as always by my good friends and co hosts, Saren Thodenson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. How's everybody doing tonight? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's been a couple of weeks there, hasn't it? It's been a couple fucking weeks, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, most of it's my own fault because I decided to start unpacking Shadow again. And I, I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. What about you, Jim? How have you been doing? Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) And Sarah? I'm sure we'll get into all that. How how are you? Sarah's probably had the best day of all of us. I don't know. I heard something about a double, so we'll see. I mean, I've worked a couple of them lately. I'm going to have to go back to that unfortunate grindstone because the 
state for some reason isn't giving us money for showing up for the same hazard pay they were giving us to show up for the last couple of months. Oh, and I don't accept the, oh, we don't have the money when, you know, all these passion projects from pork bills are still in play. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, what's a few million here and there for little little projects when employees need to get paid? That's no big deal. Well, the thing I thought was really funny was the whole, we raised our taxes in order to take care of all the roads all over Michigan, and then all of a sudden they're like, we don't have enough money to fix the roads, and then a whole bunch of people came forward and was like, "Uh, what the hell happened to the $4.5 billion we raised to fix our roads? And they were like, well, we put it in the discretionary spending fund. Oops. Right. So we just, we forgot it was over here. We'll fix those roads now. It's yeah, all pretend money anyway. We all know print this. More. It is just this <laughs> illusion that we're all in on. It's all right. It's all monopoly money. It's We're all right. So, yeah, well, I did actually have an excellent day. And uh, so it kind of ties into a longer term thing that's been going on for a little bit now. But um, we are finally working on getting our land prepped for habitation. Uh, Part of that is that um, the person we bought the land from, the family of the Kavanaugh's, um, have also been looking for a solution to the water problem on the land because it'll have these periods of incredible flooding from the creek that it's on well we finally found somebody after four years of them searching and the last couple of years of us looking too we finally found a contractor that's reasonable that actually wants to do what we want to do and not try and put a you know one to two acre pond in that we don't need so we finally found a guy and he's working with us and basically what's going to happen is a grid system is going to exist underneath the property so that the water has channels to go to Instead of flooding the land, it channels into the uh, either the creek itself. Um, when the creek floods, it'll channel into our front, uh, into the ditch, and vice versa. So it's it's the land right now looks it's wonderfully black topsoil and it looks naked, but it's going to be covered up pretty soon. We're going to have blue clay in there to basically serve as channels because it was either we work with blue clay which basically becomes about as hard, if not harder than concrete, or we work with PVC piping, and we're going to have to dig that crap up every 25, 50 years. With this one, you know, depending on what does or doesn't occur with the land, we might have to reset these pipes every so often, but it's not going to be like plastics from the PVC leaching into the soil, which was like the entire point we wanted to avoid. Right. That's cool. Yeah. uh, So that work has started, and... What's also going to happen is both of our properties now are going to get ponds. And so the pond going into the Kavanaugh's property is going to feed back and forth between ours. And in between, there's going to be areas for fish to spawn. So we're actually going to be able to raise fish between our ponds. How cool. Yeah. So we've got all this permaculture work we're setting up so that that's a success. We've got all this permaculture work we have to do in the land so that the land holds the soil once it's done. So to that end, I've already ordered the seeds. So we're going to plant a crap load of organic wild clover to act as a bed instead of this crappy crabgrass thing we got going on. The clover is going to feed the bees. It's going to feed the animals around here. Probably going to attract a whole lot more deer, which um, I'm not objecting to. Uh, (laughs) So um, 
and you know, I had a really powerful experience um, last week with this. We we poured out a bottle of mead that we brewed for. I brewed for Othin, Kiba, our son brewed for Thor, um, and we offered as many of the nine sacred herbs as we had, and herbs that were um, sacred to the people who were here before us. Um, I laid down my entire braid of sweetgrass, which I received as a gift several years ago, and um, a gift of tobacco. And um, Silverleaf offered last Friday a bottle of mead that's been sitting on the altar about since at or before our marriage. And wow. finally wow. offered that up as um, something. It was something she had promised to Frigg that when we got our land and everything was ready to go, she would offer that mead to her. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So That is really awesome. And then today, um, the only reason we made those offerings was because the, the land spirits, the Lanvatir, gave us the go-ahead to start the project um, so that we could live with them and everything. Um and we sat down and explained what was going to happen and why. And um, today we went onto the property and worked with our contractor, showed him where the culvert was going to be, talked with the Lanvatir one more time, and the Lanvatir gave their consent. And I just double-checked, like, you guys know we're going to have to disturb the living hell of this land, right? You, you know we're going to have to kill a bunch of poplar to make this work. And the Lanvatir kind of, like, had their little, you know, I guess it's kind of like a huddle and <laughs> said together, you know, we know what you plan to do with us and we know how you plan to live with us. And we are going to accept the short-term hurt for the long-term game. Mm-hmm. And um, they gave their permission for us to go ahead and work. So awesome. after we got that permission, I uh, lit my last cigar as it been in my possession since before this pandemic started. That's the last cigar I own. So I offered it to them and smoked it on the properties. We walked around and we were actually finding trees on the property. We didn't want to go like maples and juniper and oaks. And so we ended up saving, we thought we only saved like maybe 10 or 20 of them. It turns out we sent, we saved like 40. <laughs> the majority of that was from the Kavanaugh's uh, daughter, Brenna, who is amazing and like, mm. like deep into this permaculture stuff. So she's rather our guide on, you know, okay, we saved this, we let this go. And it was like, okay, wow. We, saved 40 trees that is so cool yeah a lot of the the trees that we have planted on our property right now have been moved because they were growing in an area that was unsafe for them like right up against the house or deep into a flower bed that needs to be torn out anyway and there's one that we have, and I'm not even sure what it is. I think I think it's a cottonwood, but I'm not 100% sure. We planted it. You remember that year at Michigan Pagan Fest where it just rained all weekend? Mm-hmm. And it was super windy. We planted <laughs> so it. like most of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there's one. I think it was like the second one that I was a fire tender at. And so we planted it on Thursday before we went to Michigan Pagan Fest and we had to rebury it every single night we came home and every morning that we woke up. We had oh, to just man. keep putting it back in the ground like, no, dude, you're going to be just fine. And it's three times the size now and it's super happy and flourishing so well. And I, that's, that's why awesome. I, can't, I can't fathom buying trees i mean if there's a specific tree that you want i can understand that but if you just Mm -hmm. want trees you can go to a ditch 
on the side of the road and find, you know, a little sapling, raise it till it's big enough to grow in the ground on its own and, and do it that way. Cause that's what I used to do when I was in cold water. I'd see a tree on the side of the road and I'm like, well, you're probably going to get mowed down. So come home with me. <laughs> I mean, that was the wild thing. Like we had juniper trees. I have the one of them we saved was no bit, no taller um, from the tip of its top to its roots than my, uh, my pointer finger. And the roots only extended from the pointer fingers uh, first knuckle down to my thumb. Like that's how big it was. It was that small. It was just, wow. if you weren't looking for it, you wouldn't have seen it. Cause I didn't see it. And I passed it like three or four different times. And yeah. Yeah. Like you said, all you have to do is really look. Mm. You have to, well, the other thing is you got to know what you're looking for. I did, right. I, I'm used to seeing a lot of these trees when they're, you know, old or older and full bloom. Mm. I'm not used to looking at them when they're juvenile. Right. Right. And there is a big difference between a juvenile tree and a full grown tree. Yep. Oh, for sure. I mean, if somebody hadn't said, Hey, this is a juniper, I wouldn't have known. Cause it looked like a, like, honestly, at first blush, I'm like, okay, why are we saving the weed? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm grateful for Brenna. And she is a wealth of knowledge. She really is. Um, I remember first meeting her at the first dinner that we had, and we kind of toured the the farm or whatever. She actually asked me what one of the plants was that was growing on the ground, and I'm glad I was able to identify it for her. Um, but then the consecutive times that I've been out there and talking with her, just the vast wealth of knowledge she has when it comes to horticulture and plants and things that grow together really well is, is astounding to me. I'm like, how the hell do you fit all of that in your brain? <laughs> My God. Yeah. When the contractor asked if we were into horticulture, I laughed at him and said, look, like I like horticulture. I am not a horticulturalist. You want the horticulturalists? She's over there. <laughs> I follow her lead. <laughs> she tells me where to plant stuff. I'm the muscle. <laughs> Well, before we go too much further, I want to take a sec. Um, it is a new month, and so and I and I was very remiss and didn't have our list last time. So I want to make sure that I cover a thank you to all our patrons because our Patreon is really growing. It's amazing to me. We've had a few people. We've had more people join. We've had level increases going on people that want earlier access to the show or they want to be in the chat room when we're recording as we have several in with us now. And, you know, so it's really cool and we appreciate the community support so much. So it's patreon.com forward slash around grandfather fire and listen to this list. This is pretty good. So uh, we've, we've of course got, uh, Ardern from Ardern's Auguries as part of our, is our show sponsor, our business sponsor. But as far as other people, we've got at the Tinder level, we've got Cabra, Heidi, Claire, Hannah, Zettewards, Kelly, Harold, Christine, and AKA Nico 13 at Spark level. Got uh, Indy, Kate, Three Pagans and a Cat, Dashifin, Shanwolf, Melkor, Alyssa, Ladina, Nick, and Marco at the kindling level. We've got 
Josie, Janessa, Keely, Tammy, and Malik. And at the flame level, $20 a month support, which is really amazing. Kathleen, Stephanie, Kai, Amy, and Mother Multiverse. We've got a flame level as well. I'm sorry, one more. I've got Victoria is, in, is a flame level as well. And then uh, Emily, a fire drake, all the way up at $45 a month support for our fire drakes. That's amazing. I am like blown away. Isn't that a huge list? That is like- amazing. Oh my God, that's amazing. I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> that is so astounding <laughs> to me. I know it. I know it. And within the last, um, so you guys, I think for several of the levels, it'll roll around, I think, in September. I set it up. So if you've been a contributor of a certain level for, I think it was three months, uh, Patreon is going to be sending out a gift to you guys. We've got ranges all the way from buttons to T-shirts going out. And so that's really cool as well. So you'll, you're going to start seeing the Around Grandfather merch arriving fairly soon. So, Guys, we have merch. We have merch and more coming because we keep... So <laughs> not only do we have our logo, but now we've got about like five slogan <laughs> ideas. So as soon as I can get the online store set up, it's going to be... We'll have all kinds of fun mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Every I, time we turn around, the chat rooms are throwing out good <laughs> slogans. It's like, holy crow. <laughs> I can't wait for the spiritual accounting shirt. That's all I got to say. Mm. <laughs> we do any yeah. joint, we do any joint panels at like con or something. We need to wear that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> for sure. Definitely. So yeah, I mean just a huge amount of support and there are people, uh, if you are interested in joining our community, you can join our discord without being a patron. Um, supporter a patreon supporter you don't have to be to be on our discord we've got several people that are just there because of fans of the show and we've got all three of us co-hosts we have channels there's resources memes a special one for crafts for music a special channel for just general discussion you can post up questions of of upcoming guests and things that you want mentioned on the show and i am super proud of our our really active discord community. Mm-hmm. I think it's really awesome. I mean, there are days where I log in and I go, where did all this conversation come from? You know, it's like, turns out there's been three or four hours conversation on some obscure subject from history. And, and you got all these people weighing in. I'm like, Oh, they're way too advanced for me. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing? Listening to my show? This is crazy. Right? <laughs> now, Sarah, I can understand he's smart. <laughs> oh my God. You're smart too. Come on now. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, do you honestly think I would have dealt with you as a co-host if you were stupid? Come on now. <laughs> so, yeah, and and Caitlin, yes, you're right, Kathleen. There is definitely more tech setup coming. Um, strangely enough, the three of us were together at a park along with a random homeless guy from New Orleans, which is another story. Know. All in its no, actually, he probably wasn't homeless. He was just a know. character. He was a character. I don't know if he was homeless. He was something. Nice, very nice gentleman. He was a character. Though. Definitely mm-hmm. a character. Lots of stories. Um, yes, tons of stories. Uh, could have been one of the Loire. We don't know for sure. We didn't feel like you were getting trolled by the gods. I felt like I was getting trolled by the gods. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, when a, guy, when a guy in Jackson, Michigan rolls up with a slight Cajun accent and starts telling jokes and stories, 
I didn't ask. I didn't think to ask. I probably didn't want to know the answer. Yeah, no, it's you. I mean, you saw what my first instinct was. You offered him a smoke, so all right, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) but roll with it. But we we do have officially now uh, an around grandfather fire LLC and a bank account, so we can get all this cool stuff set up and get Caitlin some money so she can get better tech and. And things are rolling, and it, we couldn't do it with all, all your support. We just, I'm amazed by it. I'm blown away by it. Yeah, it's really touching that you folks have come out and supported the show, especially the numbers you have. And just, you know, we're not the only fire keepers. No, we're not. We're not the only fire keepers of this show. And it really helps because, you know, we could do this show for our own pleasure on our own, but there are some days where it's like, God, I'm tired but I've got something to wake up for on Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, do we want to talk about that briefly Uh, or not so briefly? Yeah. For those who don't know, I have experienced job loss over this last week. And now I have accepted another job offer, which means some of you are probably going to be pretty happy about this, especially those of you that, that are fans of the show that, work during the week we are going to be starting to do our recordings on saturdays because that's the day that we will all have available now so mm-hmm. so sorry tuesdays will be going away but you're going to start getting saturdays so that'll be something yeah mother multiverse boo, boo. Also, also woo boo. yeah <laughs> pretty much it's that's pretty much how i felt boo. <laughs> i would imagine as far as time it's probably gonna be our regular time around 7 p.m because yeah. if I do get hit yeah. for a double, it'll, it'll allow me to get a nap in, and it'll still allow it might, time for... And it might be nicer for some of our guests, too. It might make it a yeah. little easier to schedule them, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's a, that is one change that is that is coming up fairly soon. It won't affect, really, when the shows go out all that much. Um, yeah, not by much. Probably, assuming we record on Saturday... The early shows, uh, for those of you who are subscribed for the early shows, um, you'll probably end up getting those on Sunday. And that means that the public show was going out usually on Thursdays or early Fridays. It'll probably be going out on Tuesdays now. So, Yeah, so just minor adjustments while we all adjust to this minor adjustment too. It, um, it, it's been a week. I'm telling you, <laughs> dude, it's been a month. Are you kidding me? I don't, I don't know why I do this shit to myself sometimes. Like I, <laughs> God. Yeah. Crack open that, that uh, big old dark well of shadow work. That's a great idea. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this year has been like six pounds of sh- like 12 pounds of shit in a six pound bag for how much this year's been. Right. I mean, it, it right. was, I think it was kind of spurred on the whole, all right, I'm tired, I'm tired of dealing with the outside world's shit. So let's deal with my internal shit. And I realized, oh, that's bad. Okay, let's, let's just go sit over here and deal with this now because that <laughs> outside world stuff is still too hard. This has got to be easier, right? So how well are you dealing with it? Um, I would like to say I'm dealing with it well mm-hmm. in my own, in my own terms, um, just to kind of give you guys an idea of what I've been putting myself through. 
Um, I can't blame this on a teacher anymore because now I'm in the... <laughs> How? Free it! <laughs> no, I can't read <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on my own now, and it's sort of, sort of on my own. And I, I'm not saying he just kind of threw me out in the world and said, good luck. Um, no, I actually locked I know, the door. Yeah. yeah. Was. <laughs> he his old man came, beat me out. in the back, and out. said, get out, go. We rent somewhere else. No. Yeah. <laughs> your turn you deal with this um come over to your house and leave all the lights on no (laughs) (laughs) right um i i thought so i posted in the discord and for those of you who are not on our discord i'll kind of do like a recap of it i was sitting on the couch one night watching a tumblr reads a funny video on youtube of all things in the world and this thing came up that said yeah, I get a lot of shit from parents for giving my students the entire semester or year to complete their homework. And if they get it wrong the first time, they get an opportunity to redo that homework and turn it in for full marks. And I Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sat there and I had to pause the video and I'm just staring at the screen because I had this sudden, like, what we like to call a clue by four of realization. And I go oh my God, that is a huge part of my fear of shadow, my my shadow fear, really, because mm-hmm. I was so afraid to do anything new or do anything on my own because there was always that sense of failure. And if I failed, there was always, always a consequence for it. Either I would get a bad grade in school and then I would also get yelled at by my parents However, I figured out in my brain that if I didn't do the work in school, the teacher wouldn't really say anything about it. They would just be like, hey, where's your homework? And you're like, I don't know. I kind of lost it. And then because I have so many students to deal with, they would kind of forget about it. So the only person I would get in trouble with was my parents for not doing my homework. So I kind of cut down on the consequences, but also screwed myself in the same vein because I started failing classes, you know, and I wasn't doing anything for myself. And then that kind of snowballed into um, my anger. And so I started digging into that deeper and kind of pulling threads out from different areas. And I'm like, what the fuck? I thought I dealt with this shadow. I like, I'm not angry anymore. (laughs) I shouldn't have to deal with this. And then I'm like, Oh, this is connected to this. And which is also connected to this, which is also connected to this. Really? Fuck. And this? Why? So it's been, it's been a lot. And I I don't think we have enough time for me to unpack all of it for you. (laughs) But I have an entire journal worth of just going through and breaking it down. And this is where um, the thing called morning pages have really come in. And I think saved me during this work because it's a time where it doesn't matter what I put on page. It doesn't matter what I write down as long as I'm writing. And usually it kind of tracks into, okay, so I have this overwhelming fear of doing anything for myself or because I was always taught that's, that's unladylike or you shouldn't do that because of X, Y, or Z, or you have to always think of other people. You should never think of yourself. That's selfish. So, and that's why I was never good at taking compliments, which is also connected, which is super fun. 
um, which compounds into, um, oh God, what was it? I used to be, when I was younger, I used to be that wild animal trapped in a corner when anybody came up to me and said, you're doing this thing wrong. I would freak out. I would lose my shit. And I would yeah. scream at them and I would yell and I would fight back and just be angry. And I unpacked that one first when I was doing yoga the first round uh, with Beth. And so that's when I thought, okay, yeah, I, I dealt with it. I don't react that way anymore. Anger's fine. It's over there. We can deal with that. It's cool. Um, and I realize I'm talking in circles because there's, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of circles in this whole thing. And it, a lot of the anger is centered around the loss or the illusion of the loss of power mm -hmm. because I felt like certain things had been robbed from me where when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be a ballerina or I want to be a firefighter or I want to be this or I want to be that or I want to be a mechanical engineer was one thing that I was really interested in, but I was always told that's too much schooling. You'll never be able to do that. That's, that's one thing I remember. You'll never be able to do that. And the reason why I remember it so well is because I have that, that voice in the back of my head whenever I want to try something new, like learn a new language, learn guitar, mm -hmm. write a full novel. You'll never be able to do that. Yep. You'll never be able to do that. You weren't picked up as a gifted kid when you were in school, were you? I absolutely was a gifted kid. 100%. I was put into school. My mom wanted me to go to preschool, but the preschool teacher said, no, she's way too smart. Way too smart to be in here. So I was the youngest person in my class. Mm -hmm. So I was pushed mm -hmm. a grade ahead. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... And that's kind of, and most of it was, and there was an anger that I didn't realize, that I didn't recognize until like a week or two ago. And it was just this roiling kind of nasty storm that was in there. And I realized it wasn't so much anger at others anymore. It was anger at myself for yeah, allowing yeah. that to happen, for allowing mm -hmm. that to be my dialogue for allowing that to control my life for so long. And it's like, I'm 32 years old. I'm almost 33 years old. How the fuck do I do this? How do I adult? How, 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 if anybody's got the answer or, 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 or the, the, the magic fix that, that would be fantastic. Cause I'm not mm -hmm. doing so hot and figuring it out on my own. <laughs> Well, I love Amy's interjection. I'm still trying to learn that at 45. <laughs> Sorry, well, go ahead, brother. I, no, no, no. It, it's all right. It's all right. I'm actually going to play off Amy's point to a little bit. So um, part of what's going on with me for the last week or so is also uncovering some shadow work. And so it was the point where I realized that, uh, and I think Amy already knows about this. I believe Amy's the one that told me that hearing this from someone like myself was really helpful. So that's why I'm being inclined to share here. I realized that there was something going on within my shadows. There was something I was not seeing correctly. And, you know, I'm, I just turned 49. I'll be 50 next year. And realizing that there was something there, I 
my, I've now had two sessions with a counselor. I've always preached to people that I was teaching that there is no more powerful combination than therapy and your spiritual work. And I, and I have to live up to that example. So realizing there was something, but not quite having a grasp on it, I, I'm in therapy right now. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's not a straight road to like enlightenment and there is no age limit that says, well, 50th birthday, I'm wise now. No, I don't think it works that way. So, you know, we all have to go through these processes. And, you know, the thing with the the counselor, for me anyway, um, it's funny, I've been doing this long enough and I've read enough books and I've done a lot of introspection. So none of the techniques that this therapist is talking about are really like, oh, wow, that's blowing my mind. But he did ask some questions I hadn't asked of myself before, and those have led to some big revelations. So it's nice sometimes to get that outside perspective, and and that makes a big difference. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. And a lot of a lot of this work, I think, stemmed from the work that I did throughout the winter. Uh, with Beth because she's the annoying kind of teacher. And I mean that with the most amount of love, but she's the annoying amount of teacher that gives you that like half smile because she knows you're almost there. And then she asks questions of, okay, well, why this? Why do you say that? Or why is it that? And Mm -hmm. she makes you kind of pause and think and go, Oh, hmm, I have been stuck in my mind. I have been stuck up here. So let's move down a little bit and reassess and go a little deeper into what this is instead of just looking at it as the surface level. It's almost like you're removing a veil from yourself or they're removing it for you because they can see it in a manner that you can't because you've lived with it for so long that it's just normal. And the... The frustrating thing is, and I I mean that very lovingly, and I know I probably sounded really agitated earlier, I'm loving this work. I'm loving uncovering all this stuff. Yeah, sure, it pisses me off. Sure, it frustrates the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't change the fact that I'm like, holy shit, I'm making more progress. Or I'm making progress again. I'm doing it again, and I'm going deeper, and I'm getting further, and this is fucking amazing i love it and i i'm proud of the work that you've done i'm proud that you're able to step forward and say i asked for help that's super hard it's hard for anybody in our position you know maybe maybe not so much me because i'm not as high up as you guys but even being considered an an expert in in an area, it's hard to show that vulnerability to step forward and say, I had to ask and that's okay. Looked like you had something to say there, Sarah. No, just um, honestly being able to be vulnerable here has made my practice so much better. Um, You know, you get this problem of arrogance in a lot of, whether or not we want to actually acknowledge it. And 
I, I finally have to kind of just own up to the fact that I'm an elder and that really still kind of makes my teeth itch a little bit. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but I am, and I have to accept that as uncomfortable as that can be at times. Um, we have a problem with arrogance in the occult and pagan and polytheist communities, a big, big fucking problem. I'm not infallible. I'm not invulnerable. I am prone to breakage mentally and physically just as much as any other human being, no matter what else I got going on for me. In some ways it's more acute because of some of the stress that spirit work can put on you. And, um, you know, the, the therapy work that I went through for two years was really instrumental in getting me to a place where I was not only comfortable in my own skin, but actually could love both sides of my skin. Um, you know, I've, I've been working on body positivity a lot of my life, but soul positivity is another thing entire. Mm. Um, 100%. It, it is, but it isn't. Because, you know, if the, if the body's part of the soul and you're having an issue with the body, you're having an issue with your soul. So I've done a lot of body positivity work over the years where, you know, being called fat just rolls off my back like a duck. It doesn't bother me like it used to. It's like, yes, okay, cool. Uh, I have ready access to food and I'm not suffering from malnutrition. Fuck off. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My ancestors are proud of me. Go eat a bag of dicks. Um, You know, um, but on the other hand, I had some serious internal conflicts that I had to work out inside my own mind and soul. And um, being unafraid to speak about that in a therapeutic context helped a great deal. Dealing when working with and integrating my wolf self was a huge, huge step of peace and relief for me and integrated my body, mind and spirit in ways that are still having positive knock on effects years later, and I had to go through the hard times and the grit my teeth and rage and gnash and weep um, in order to get to where I am now, in order to be a more effective spirit worker, in order to be a more effective father, husband, friend, lover, you name it. Um, And so with the integration of my whole self and all the work that it took, I mean, one of the things that uh, I used to watch as a child a lot was a, a VHS of Puff the Magic Dragon. And this was a time before I was getting bullied when I was very young. And I watched that damn thing endlessly. And as part of my therapy work, my therapist had me go back and talk to my young child self. And I had a really hard time initially talking with my young child self until I found a YouTube video with that full VHS on it. And I bawled. And I wept and I cried like I haven't in a very long time. Um, And it wasn't an adult man's hurt. It was a child's hurt. And, and so, you know, bringing that younger self back from that soul loss. I mean, it really was a self soul retrieval that therapist put me through. I have to seriously commend my therapist. She, she drew me through some immensely painful, hard times. Um, but out of the other side of it, I mean, holy shit, I'm more put together person mentally, physically, and spiritually. That means that I have the fortitude, the flexibility, the adaptability, and the ability 
to be there for other people in situations that if I hadn't done the work, I couldn't be. Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That, yeah. you know, oh, go ahead. That, uh, that returning to the child self work is, I, I still struggle with it and I'm still working with it and it's something that I'm working with right now and it is some of the hardest work I think I have ever done because children experience such raw and powerful emotions. They don't have the context Mm -hmm. to deal with or identify what that emotion is or why they feel that way. So as an adult and having to go back and learn how to reparent yourself through the wounds that were inflicted upon you as a child to kind of help heal that child self is super hard, very rewarding work. And to be willing to allow yourself to embrace that aspect of yourself is super powerful. And I'm so glad that you had somebody there to help you through it because it's not easy. It really isn't. And almost as hard as it is to go back, it's even harder to bring that soul piece with you and integrate it because that means that everything that you felt, that you understood, that you experienced, the good and the bad gets to come back with you and then you get to integrate it. Because you can't just, okay, well, I've healed the child. I'm going to leave it there. Cool. Abandonment issues on top of that shit. Good job. <laughs> you actually got to bring that back with you into this context. You know, if, if spirits exist forward and backwards and present in time, so do we. And some of the, the distancing we get is, especially in this culture, which tells us to put away childish things. You know, like, I I should be an adult and not be able to buy a DVD collection of the 1980s Ninja Turtles because fuck you, I'm an adult, I'm going to do what I want. Um, But it's not just fuck you, I'm an adult, I'm going to do what I want. My child self needs some nurturing, man. And it sometimes you just got to tamp down the cynical adult, the jaded adult, and tell tell him to go sit in a corner for a fucking minute and let the kid enjoy his fucking popcorn and enjoy his movie. Like, yeah, some of this stuff is ephemeral pop culture stuff that, you know, was corny in the 80s when it was around. But, you know, something about it helps feed that inner child and it feels, feed, feeds that inner part of your soul. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. There, there's a reason why every couple of months I return to Avatar The Last Airbender because sometimes, and it's not just, it's not just the advice of Iroh or the the passive love of Aang, you know, cause a lot, a lot of people look at Aang as him being just this really passive kind of monk, but there's a lot of wisdom in what he does and the way he acts and how he, you know, he believes that violence begets violence. So it, throughout the entire series, he doesn't kill a single person. He uses uh, trickery and uh, cleverness to get around situations where everybody's telling him you have to, you have to do this. And he's like, no, I'm gonna, you know, go away for a while and figure out a different... I, I'm trying to tippy-toe around spoilers for people who haven't watched it yet, but... Um, Fair. I watch it for the sheer joy of pacifying my inner child. And pacifying is a terrible word to use, but 
allowing her to come out and enjoy something that I didn't have as a child. You know, I grew up with all the, the traditional Disney princesses and all that stuff. And I'll be honest, Beauty and the Beast was my favorite. I even had a book written for me nice. with Beauty and the Beast in mind. But, um, you know, a lot of those types of cartoons were looking back on it now it's very toxic for little girls and watching yep. them as an adult i'm like oh my god that's awful but thankfully we had you know the the good ones like mulan mulan was amazing you know she taught you you can do whatever you set your mind to even when other people tell you no you can't do that and it's hard and it's gonna hurt and you're gonna get hurt but you have to keep going forward. What about you, Jim? Do you have any inner child stories? Well, I mean, the stuff that I'm dealing with definitely is related to my childhood, but the solution in my case isn't appeasing the inner child. Um, It's realizing where the trauma came from and then going, yeah, fuck that. Right. I, I don't need to appease the inner child. The problem in a lot of ways, is that I was appeasing the inner child. The inner child was afraid of the criticism from the adults. So now as an adult, I have to flip that and go, fuck you, give me the criticism. And the more you can hate me, the better you're going to make me, the stronger you're going to make me. People who offer me good criticism, that is probably the biggest gift that they can give me. So I need to convince that inner kid to stop running away from that shit and go ahead and embrace it. That's a big, big part of it too. And that's, I, Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You know, telling and teaching that inner child to, Hey, we have to stand up and not, not for them, for us. And here's why that is super hard, super, so that's, you know, that's where I've been this week. It's been just kind of in like, it was, it was definitely the universe's involvement because I'm, I'm listening, you know, I have this appointment with a therapist and then let me see. That was some, so two days later, I'm fired from my job for having a bad attitude. Great. And then let me see. Um, couple days after that, I hear this podcast. Uh, it's a guy named Gary V. And I don't know if you're familiar with Gary V. Gary Vanderchuk, I think his name is. He was an early angel investor in Twitter and Facebook. And so he's like super wealthy now. And, and he does these. And they are absolutely, I mean, like from our perspective, like as far as the shows, our shows are edited and the sound quality and that sort of stuff. Ours are like fucking Emmy nominated. He is the wealthiest cheapskate ever, I think, on his equipment. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's using, but it's crap. But his message is really good. And so he, during that same week, had that thing about, you know, I, I he tries to really love his critics because, first of all, they're giving him the greatest gift in that criticism because that's how he can make himself better. Plus he loves them because he feels bad for them. Like as he said, if it's construct, if it's not constructive criticism, it's just hate for the sake of hate. How pathetic is it that they had to take time out of their day and energy and effort to try to attack you? 
And instead of taking that to heart, you should really just kind of go, well, I really feel bad for that person. They must have really a bad time going on or something wrong with their life or their childhood or something. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is all really clicking together here. So, Yeah, one of, I don't remember where it comes from. I think it was like a movie or TV show, but somebody was yelling at somebody else and that person goes, this is great. And the person that was yelling at them goes, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, no, this is amazing because right now I am living rent-free right there, right inside of your mind. Right in your head, yeah. And mm-hmm. it doesn't affect me one bit. And I was just like, oh, hmm. it's the only so, place you know, in the world as, I can live rent-free. As much as I hate to say it, like, so a lot of, if I if I was to unpack this in, as a, is a Venn diagram, right? There's the the side of the shit that was dealing with my father and his abuse and his uh, drug abuse and everything when when I was younger. And a lot of that was the inner child stuff. And now I have just discovered, had my eyes open to this other side of the Venn diagram. And, and the other side of that part that was me was, Caitlin, I know <laughs> you can relate to this, a mother that was really critical, right? And because I know that she loves me, I had really blanked a lot of that stuff out of my head. I wasn't seeing how passive aggressive some of her comments were because, you know, she loves me and I know she loves me. And now just a week later, I can look at it as I can completely see why, because as an objective adult, I can see these huge pressures that she was under after my grandfather passed away and she had to start a new job and there was a divorce. And I'm, so there's like huge amount of pressure. And she's confided me in the past that she felt that her mother, my grandmother, was verbally abusive to her. And so, you know, a lot of that was paying forward as well. But it, it was something that that's why it was such a shadow to me. It was like I had completely blanked that out. And so now it's like, oh, there it is. So now that I know it's there, the unpacking process is happening really rapidly in a lot of ways. And so, like I said, with my father, it was a lot of the inner child stuff. With the stuff that is my mother, it's basically saying to my inner child, oh, all right, let's Let's buck up here, buddy. Let's uh, let's get a little tougher. Let's get a little bit more emotionally robust and not let this stuff affect us so much. See, I, and you're right. I can relate to that a lot. But with me, it was the exact opposite because I. It took me a long time to return to loving my mother. I hated her for a great many years, and I realized, and this. This realization came around uh, around the time that her mom became sick with lung cancer. And so a lot more mm-hmm. stories were coming out about her and uh, their childhood together and how my mom had felt abandoned by her mom um, because her mom and dad had gotten divorced and remarried. But during that divorce time, my mom and my aunt had to live with their grandparents, my great grandparents. And so my, my grandma was never around for like the first seven or eight years of my mom's life. And I think for a long time, she really, really resented my grandma for that. And then also, I mean, my grandma is not a saint. She never has been, never was, and never will be. But um, (laughs) she was the type 
of mom. I tried elevating her several times, but the altar keeps catching fire. <laughs> Pretty damn close. Look, I had to bring in a mountain to deal with that one. Okay. I love her to pieces, but my God. Um, I, and once these stories started coming out more regularly and my mom would express, because now I'm an adult and we have a much different relationship with each other than we did when I was a kid. Um, I began to see my mom in a much different light and I had those, Oh, Oh no. Oh crap moments where I was a complete dick to somebody who was suffering from very deep wounds and on top of that, uh, my mom had lost a child before me. You know, my middle brother was a twin and his twin died. So she was also dealing with that trauma as well. And being able to, and I, I don't know, I, I guess I've never really asked you guys this question, but I have this really insane ability that I am, I have a really difficult time trusting my intuition on but I have this really ridiculous ability of understanding people on almost soul deep levels to where I can see truths about them and understand them and empathize with what their soul is saying to me versus what their words are saying and it, it's really it's really weird because sometimes I'll say something that I think is a response to something that they said, but they're like, well, why did you say that? And I'm like, I, I thought that's what we're talking about. guess not. Um, but since I have tapped into that ability to trust it, I guess, it has helped me understand others and bring a level of forgiveness into my life that I never mm -hmm. thought was possible. You know, I, I no longer, I can no longer blame others for what they do because in, in one way or another, it's all, it's all wounds passed down through generations. And as long as I can see that wound and I can understand it, I can stop it. It ends with me. Right. You know? I think that's one of those places where the overlap starts to happen. Like there's this tendency in a lot of these conversations to talk about forgiveness or love as if it's a separate thing from anger, where really forgiveness and anger can totally coexist at the same time. I can be forgiving of the person while still angry at their actions or saying this shit is not happening anymore, or I'm changing this about myself. I can be anger angry in a in a righteous way and still be forgiving absolutely can i jump in here right quick yeah yeah we fetishize forgiveness in this culture we do we especially fetishize forgiveness which hasn't been earned where guilt is a goddamn thing whether or not you believe in it you have to pay for it whether it's your ancestors whether it's you whether it's your ancestors through you whether it's you through your ancestors it doesn't matter. The debt has to be paid. This is the truth of ancestor work. If we truly believe that we are living ancestors, that it is on us to do what we can to not just forgive, fuck forgiveness. Fuck it. 
forgiveness does not repair a building. It doesn't repair a heart. It doesn't bring a soul back. It doesn't go down into the underworld and retrieves a soul. That's what justice and reparations do. That's spirit work. Yeah, that's not forgiveness. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Because hey. well, the, the reason I, I, I'm not trying to shit on forgiveness as a concept, but we use it as a balm and an anesthetic, and that's not what it's there for. It is yeah. there when you are ready to stitch the wound closed, and you have to debride the wound, if, and you have to disinfect it and make sure it doesn't fucking happen again, and you have to be willing to bear the scar. But forgiveness think, does not happen in a bubble. I think there's two aspects of forgiveness, right? Because that's a dual, dualized concept in its own right. So there, there's two aspects. There's you coming to me to ask for forgiveness, which is definitely means that you have acknowledged you've done a wrong. You're ready to try to pay that where guild. You're trying to make amends. You're trying to help fix the things that you've done wrong. Forgiveness on my end might simply mean I don't feel like I have to be at active war with you or myself anymore. That's not going to say I'm going to stop defending my borders, but it does mean that I, I can stop feeling like I'm on the constant attack. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. There are, there are things that, um, that I've forgiven people for, but I will never forget. Right. Um, right. You know, there's, there's scars on my body from people that it doesn't matter how much, I've forgiven them. The scars are still going to fucking be there. I have a scar right. next to my left eye for a reason, but, but I could look the person in the face who did that to me. And I, I did forgive him. And I took that right. burden off you, both our shoulders. You could forgive them. You could forgive them to the point where you don't feel like, uh, that they've paid the wear guild, but at the same point in time, you don't, you don't have to be at a point where if you see them across the street, God damn it. It doesn't matter. I hope I got bail money on me because I'm about to attack him. You don't have to be at that point either. So like, I, I think forgiveness, perhaps it's overused because we're using the term in an overly broad way. Well, that was the thing with, with one of the, the people that bullied me. And uh, it was really fun because he was at a local gas station. And I would run into him on a frequent basis. Uh, if we hadn't had this chat, it would have been very awkward. But we were blessed that there was just him and I, and we had to sit down. Um, and, you know, at first it was really awkward because he didn't know what the hell to say to me. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. <laughs> so I kind of foot, led with the first foot and went, how you doing? <laughs> That's the most awkward how you doing. But, you know, Oh, we're doing okay. So you're you're working here now, huh? Yeah. Like no shit. <laughs> um, you know, this was a, a person who had wailed the piss out of me as a kid. He was one of these bullies that left scars on me. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of digging for me not to just want to wail the piss out of him. And to be sure, I, I don't want to be this guy's friend. It's not like the 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 gulf of time makes those wounds disappear it just makes it so that i don't have to react to them that way and so i guess if, if that's where you're coming from with forgiveness that i can agree with i think that what i'm more reacting to is the common perception of how we're supposed to forgive each other and just move on yeah and i right. which is fucking both. cannot stand that. right bullshit right. so is there is there another term that more accurately i would say reconciliation for, okay because, I mean, 
he and I reconciled our differences and we could move on from there. You know, I, I wasn't now, getting itching for a fight every time I saw him after that. Right. So what about what about the, what I was talking about with that uh, internal sense of forgiveness in the sense that I don't feel like I have to attack you anymore. I can maintain my borders I, and, and, and go my own way, but I don't have to feel like I need to retaliate or attack back that. Is there a better term for that mm. than forgiveness? I would say instead of instead of forgiveness, it's more of a release because you're not actually, I'm not actually, you know, it never came out of my mouth, you know, like I release you from obligation, like right. it's a kind of it's a kind of release where I'm not holding on to this poison any longer and expecting you to die, right. Um, I, I actually, I, I'm going to disagree with the chat room real quick there, Amy. I don't think it's acceptance either. I, I don't think that acceptance is the um, the alternative word for that. Acceptance to me is accepting that the situation happened, but it's still, I don't know, I think there's still more of a a willingness to hold boundaries or understand why there's still anger there, even though I don't feel compulsed to act on it. I'm not sure acceptance quite sits with me well either. I mean, we're also talking about like personal, physical, metaphysical, spiritual, mental wounds here. This stuff's close to the chest and verbiage is going to differ person to person. Yeah, this is true. Very true. Um, I have to accept that because I know that a lot of what I've said about reconciliation justice and all that people would just file under forgiveness because it's, it's what they know. And that's <laughs> right, acceptable. Right. Even if I, that's even right. if it sticks in my craw, because like I, I'm in part, I know I'm reacting against my Catholic background when it comes to forgiveness. So I, okay. There is one event. I'll call it an event that happened to me and you guys, and I've talked about it on here before um, where forgiveness of the other person in my mind will never be a thing. I can never forgive him for what he did to me. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. And I can't mm-hmm. even guarantee that if I ever saw him in public, that I wouldn't grab the closest sharpest item to me and stab a bitch, you know, but I can forgive myself you know for having those feelings for having that anger because to me forgiveness allows me the space to understand my reaction to the situation and it gives me that moment's pause of okay let's consider this for just a moment Um, for example I could get really mad at my mom for not being overly loving or affectionate to me as a child. And that's why I'm not overly loving or affectionate as an, as an adult, because I never really learned what that boundary meant. I never learned what that means to other people. I never learned healthy relationships like that. Okay, sure. But I can forgive her because I know her history I know that her mother wasn't the same way with her. It's not her fault. That's what she was taught. And I can't blame her for doing that. And I can also forgive myself. I can forgive that 
child in me that is crying out to be hugged, to be kissed, to be loved. You know, it's not, it's not her fault. She had two other children she was taking care of on top of myself as well as running a business. You know, as an adult, I can understand that. I can see that. And the way I see it is this happened to me. I had no control over it. I asked for it and I didn't get it. However, I'm able to forgive myself this anger, this sadness, this grief that I feel over this thing happening. And I can learn how to not accept it. Accept it isn't the word I want. I can see it and I can help prevent it not only in myself, but in others around me. I can help heal that wound in myself and learn a different way. And I can teach that to other people. You know, that, that's how forgiveness is to me. It's not necessarily forgiving the other person for what they did or for what happened. It's forgiving myself because those are all human emotions and allowing that forgiveness gives you that allowance to feel that. I guess. I think, I think for me, the, the, the conflict I have with, uh, I've just looked up the definition because maybe I'm using it wrong. And it's not that I'm using it wrong. It's that our culture likes to lump the multiple definitions together under one thing <laughs> and then sell it to us as though it's a cure all. And that's to give up resentment against or to stop wanting to punish someone for an offense or fault to pardon. But that's also to absolve from payment of a debt, for example, and that, I think, is where I've got the issue. I think if, I, if I've got an issue with how this culture uses forgiveness, it's that. Forgiving you, that is letting go of my resentment, does not absolve you from paying the debt. And the way that this culture uses that word, that's my fucking problem. Yeah, because I can it, see that. That's a good point. Because like, with regard to your, your ancestral wounds, you're stopping them here. You're paying that wear guilt, even though your, your ancestors probably should have been the one footing the bill. But if you don't, you're paying it forward to the next generation. And it's intergenerational debt, intergenerational trauma. So you're doing both. But you're doing so in an active way instead of a passive way with forgiveness, which is where I think a lot of my issue also comes out of is that I am passively relieving you of a debt. And I'm also taking away my burden of, of resentment, not anger not righteous indignation, but, but resentment. And I think that's where I've got the issue. Like I can be angry with you and still forgive you, but that doesn't absolve you from having to do your own shit. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like in a way there's almost two debts. There's the, the debt that they owe you and the debt that you owe yourself. Yeah. I could, I definitely agree. And boy, howdy can that accrue interest if you leave it on your soul long enough. No <laughs> shit. Learning that now. Uh, so funny. I, I, sorry, I'm smiling a couple of times. I'm reading our poor chat room chat. They're like, I thought this was going to be a lot more cheerful show. <laughs> no, hey, no, no, work. no, no. I put that warning out there in the discord. I warned them. Yep. Uh, man. <laughs> but I mean, the, on the, on the other side of it, like, there's a joy I get from doing this work. And I think it, it kind of calls back to what you were talking about, Caitlin, and what you were also talking about, Jim, in that 
when I take this burden off my own shoulders and when I take the ancestral burden off by doing the work, that makes my soul lighter. It makes my, my path easier to walk because I don't have all these, you know, honestly, it's kind of like that scene out of uh, Christmas Carol where Marley's got all the damn boxes chained to his soul. And every time right, you right. every time you work off some of that ancestral debt, one of those lock boxes and some of that chain comes off. And I honestly, uh, especially in, in context of that story, I think it's kind of funny because like all Marley has to do is lose his chains. All he has to do is be willing to give up his love of greed and money, and he can he can walk as a free shade. But he's not going to, and he doesn't want to. He is choosing to stay there. Um, right we don't have to make that choice. And there's a great joy and a great lifting of taking some of that weight off. I mean, we're human. We're going to carry weight wherever we go, but we don't have to weigh down our souls with the equivalent of boulders. We can just carry a sack full of pebbles at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there, there is a reason when we talk about reaching enlightenment, that it's not a eternal state of being. It is usually a moment or a second or a minute. If you're very lucky you know, you do all of this work, this heavy lifting to reach that lightness of spirit, to have that moment of, ah, okay, this is great. And then you come back down again and you deal with more shit and then you go back and maybe have another one. You may not. You may only get the one. And that's okay. You know? Well, Amy raises a good point in the chat that it's a good analogy. You can't... You- like you couldn't be expected to release things. You can't expect others to do it. We, we may see how easy it is, but they might not be able to, and that's not their fault. It's how things are. And I agree. Like from my perspective, giving up that lust for money that old uh, Marley is carrying around, that's an easy thing. But for a man whose entire life was based around accruing material things and, you know, dying with a golden grave, it's everything. Right. Um, well, I think I, I think I've got for a lot of times, like for obviously we're clean. There's a reason why in in the Peruvian shamanism we use the analogies of of heavy and light. You know, some things are heavy to you, some things are light to you, and you should put down the burdens. But if we're using Marley as an example, if it's something that you're reluctant to let go of, or that your family has a hard time uh, letting go of, then it's going to have to be let go of the same way it was forged link by link. Right. Yes. And yes. And something I was expressing to, to one of my students recently was that um, a lot of times these processes, they seem so hard and so confusing when you're going through them. It's not until afterwards that you look back and you realize what a straight line it was. Like, you know, you, when you're in the middle of it, it seems like a maze, but in hindsight you go, oh yeah, it just clearly led from this point to this point to this point, didn't it? Oh yeah. Right. So uh, perspective adds a lot to that as well. But yeah, a lot of that stuff, you know, if it's a family thing, especially, but uh, it's, it's going to have to be undone link by link, lock by lock. That's the only way it can be done. And the fact that, each of us in our own fashion has been willing to stand up to the chains of our ancestors and say, enough of this shit. We're not carrying this whole burden onto the next generation. That's huge. 
you know, the something that, that Sade left us with was, you know, the work of coming to our own culture ways is part of undoing that link coming to our own understandings of the herbs and respecting the lives of everybody who's touched the herbs is another way of us undoing the great link in white supremacy. And that's as much a part of our work to do as it is whatever ancestral wounds we carry from our personal bloodlines. And that can be really daunting to folks, but I think that folks really need to step back and go, you work on one link at a time. You don't work on, on the whole chain. You undo it link by link, just like you said, Jim. I mean, it's that, that whole age old saying Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, you, you have to, you have to do it brick by brick. And sometimes finding where to start is a very difficult task. Um, but once you do figure out where your starting point, and it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you can unravel it from the middle or you can start from either end. Um, but breaking down that difficult task, you know, allowing you to go chain by chain by chain is, is really beneficial and actually takes a lot of the stress and the, the anxiety out of the job itself, being able to focus on one rung and undoing it and say, okay, I did my, I did my work for the day. Now I can move on to the next. Well, I think a lot of times too, the, the reason why it seems more linear in hindsight is because as you're going through the process, it affects how you do the process. As Sarah Thoy says, the work tells you how to do the work. So like in my case, um, realizing that I had a little bit of a fear of some criticism was really affecting how I was doing like my spiritual coaching, because I might be overly concerned with someone else's feelings, which isn't always a bad thing. But at the same point in time, there's times when I might've really should have pushed a little harder, but I didn't want to have that same effect on somebody else that I had experienced, although I wasn't recognizing that I had had that experience. So, um, and even how I affect myself now, my work and my, how am I going to critique my work and that sort of thing is going to change. So that'll affect, hopefully with a, a level of momentum, it'll affect how things uh, work going forward, if that makes sense. I think it does. Um, I had a, a thought and it went poof because uh, it was a, it was a reflection on what you were saying too, and that's what kills me. Like I was like, oh, this is perfect and gone. Um, <laughs> Out into the ether it went. I'm telling you, must not have been that important. It'll come back. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it just makes sense to me that it it affects how we'll do the work going forward. So theoretically, every time you undo one of those links or those chains or those locks, it, it will theoretically cause momentum that makes other stuff easier to either recognize or to deal with. So I remember what I was going to say. It was something to the effect of uh, operating from a wounded place doesn't necessarily mean you're going to wound others by action. It means that you might hold back and you might out of, out of, fear of that wounding to protect somebody else from that wounding you might actually get in, in your own way is what I'm hearing yeah 
I, I yeah. would 100% agree with that, um, that it can go either way with it. Either you can bleed on others or you can refuse to stop the bleeding of others. Mm. You know, um, that's, that's something I deal with a lot. You know, I have that fear of stepping forward. I have that fear of helping others because I'm afraid I might screw them up worse or I might say the wrong thing, or maybe I don't know enough about what I do in order to take that or help others take those burdens off. You know, that's, that's a viable observation. And, but the, you know, the converse is true as well. If, if lack of action is an action, then fear of hurting somebody can also lead to wounding them just as badly. Absolutely. And I think that like, this is where the healing work gets to be really powerful because not only can you heal the wounding in yourself, but you can prevent wounding by your action or inaction in other people. And all the chain that could have been forged from that trauma and that pain never even gets set on a forge that internal work is hugely important because it not only makes you more whole, makes your ancestral lines cleaner, da, 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 da. But it also means that you're not going out and bleeding on everybody or lashing out every time you get hit with something that could, you know, feels like that wound again, you know, you're not getting triggered and lashing out. Yeah. Well, if we go back to some of the conversation was with like Sensei Alex too, the, we have to recognize that there's no way for us to go through life without causing any damage. Absolutely. We, and then we're back to our forgiveness conversation, our wear guild conversation, where then it's like, am I willing to accept the ramifications for what I've done and try to repair them? That's so. Yeah. I think, it's I complex, think that, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this in terms of harm versus damage. Damage is inevitable. You know, but harm, harm is a choice. Oh, that's a good point. You know, I, I, I damage the earth just by walking on grass. Now, sometimes that stimulates growth in the grass. It needs that stimulation. Um, the, the, the grazing of cows, the reason why cow grazing can be incredibly healing to a patch of land is because they mimic a lot of the same processes that bison do. Um, I mean, when you talk about silvopasturing, um, that is forest pasteurizing or pa- not pasteurizing, forest pasturing of cows. It mimics a lot of the um, movement patterns of bison. And what bison, what, what the mouths of bison and cow does to grass is when you disturb it, their saliva, as they're chewing the grass off the head, stimulates growth. There are some, some plants and, and uh, trees that never get seeds released unless they burn. Um, so for some things, damage has to occur in order for life to happen. But harm to me is a totally like intentionally inflicting harm is a, is a different animal altogether. And whether or not you intentionally inflict the harm is kind of beside the point. It's this, the effect you've had and where guild gets paid, whether or not you intended for this harmful effect. And I think that getting back to the, the forgiveness conversation <laughs> is where genuine acts of, earning forgiveness happen as much as where genuine acts of forgiveness happen. Because if you're willing to pay the weird guild to yourself or to somebody else, 
that means you're putting your best foot forward. Whatever the mental processes that it took you to get there, the action to me is what ultimately matters. It's not even the thought processes necessarily. They're important, but they're not like if, if you're, it's the difference between wallowing in guilt and doing something to fix the problem to me. Like you can, you can have the intention of earning somebody's forgiveness, but if you're not actually doing the work to earn the forgiveness, it doesn't matter how much you intend to. And you may not earn it even with your best foot forward. And we just got to accept that. So, you know, since I Alex talking about how life is suffering makes total sense here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have not had enough mead for this deep philosophy. So <laughs> oh, but no, I mean, I'm glad that we're so slight aside, but still related to the same topic. What you guys, what would you be doing spiritually or energetically to deal with these processes? Honestly, and I know this is kind of my answer for everything. I do yoga. Yoga is largely... I don't, I, I don't even know how to put it properly, but yoga was originally created like eight to 10,000 years ago or more, depending on what source you read, just depends, um, to help people to get deeper into meditation. The asanas were created to get deeper into meditation. The, the yoga sutras and the, the integral yoga philosophy and teachings were all written before and then the asanas came later but um yoga because it was in india they recognized that every family had their own religion and not that they all worship different gods but they had their own ways of worshiping the divine and understanding the divine as itself which is why yoga has never been set up as a religious practice but instead a support to a religious practice and that's why a lot of the wordage that you'll find in the sutras they'll say um they'll they'll mention god and here in the west when we hear the term god we think about the Christian God, but what they're referencing is God and the way that you understand him or her. Um, and doing all of this really heavy spiritual work, yoga is kind of like a twofold thing for me. It's both a support, but it also helps me to push forward into it. It helps me to go deeper into that spiritual work while also revitalizing me and giving me the comfort that I need to be able to push forward, to be able to say, I can do this. And it's also, it's also been helping a lot with the, I can do this mantra that's been going on in my head to counteract the, I can't do that because of so whenever I can't do that because of comes up or the yeah buts, as a friend coined, yeah but. Yeah. Um, which honestly always, <laughs> like, I had this thought the other day, and so whenever I have the yeah but thoughts come up, I always think of the Robin Hood men in tights, the guy that's like, hey, yeah but. <laughs> that guy pops into my head, and I'm like, that's a good counter. Go ahead, buddy. You go ahead and yell that all you want. 
<laughs> but the other thing that is a major support to me in this, and it kind of, it kind of came out of the blue and I did not intend for this to be a thing, but it was learning how to play guitar. Now music written by other hands has always had an effect on me, whether it's classical or, you know, word runa type music or paleo wolf or heavy metal or whatever music has always had an effect on me, but I did not expect to have my own music just sitting, strumming soundless music rhythmless music on my guitar I never expected to have things be pulled out of me and for my guitar to say deal with this through me let me be the vessel and that is the most amazing thing that I have discovered on accident that has been a support during this time. God, that sounds familiar. <laughs> so you see that, that black case behind my head? That is a um, toggle harpa. And I have been learning how to slowly to play it. And it is a pain in the butt. It's not quite in the register I thought it would be. And it's only three strings. And what I was trying to do was make music like word runa. And for a while there, I would worry about even touching the damn thing for similar reasons. And then I, just, I threw my hands up in the air, I said, screw it. I scored the, uh, there's a, um, a rosin that comes with it to rosin up the bow. I rosined up the bow one day and just said, screw it. And I didn't realize, but four hours later, Silverleaf comes into the room and says, um, you got to come eat. You've been at that for four hours. <laughs> what <laughs> you know and you're right it's it's really a healing thing because even if my music doesn't sound like something that einar would put out that's not the point it's my music i need to put it out and you're not playing for anybody but yourself so who cares so this is where my my theater background is a blessing and a curse <laughs> i have to learn to take myself out of performing and just being that can be hard see part of the reason why i started learning guitar was because of the whole i can't dialogue i always thought i, I could never learn how to play guitar like that is this huge amazing thing up over here and you know what i did i take i typed in beginner guitar lessons on youtube and found this guy i think he's marty music or something. Nice. phenomenal dude he's got hundreds of videos hundreds of videos teaching you how to play different songs and has like a whole beginner guitar series. That's like a hundred videos that are each 20 minutes long. And I'm like, yeah, I can do this for five minutes a day. That's not a big deal. Yeah. God's bless YouTube. That's how I learned how to tune and play my, my toggle harpa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never in a million years expected spirit work to pop up and be like, Oh yeah, this is mine too. So enjoy that. Yep. <laughs> hey guys, can I have, fucking one thing to myself <laughs> no the spirits well, have taken two of the dice bags that my wife made for me <laughs> oh so jim what have you been doing to help you deal um so it, for me it's been kind of a, a lot of this stuff is fairly fresh but i realized that i started a lot of the process 
earlier than I started the process. <laughs> it's a hindsight sort of moment to me. So um, when I was joking around, um, you know, I started doing the sunset prayers because I was, uh, had made a vow to. And it's only now when I'm really kind of realizing that it was prepping me for this work because I'm now going to be starting a new job, switching a shift on another job, totally, you know, shifting my entire life schedule around. There's just changes just everywhere. And yet I have already created over the last 120 some odd days, this routine, which is only because I'm recording them for TikTok only about three to four minutes long, a couple minute walk out to the yard, one minute prayer, walk back in. This is it. But I realized like the other day, it's like, this is a real touchstone. So like, I'm really, I'm getting a much better sense about when sunset is. And so now I've started to incorporate uh, sunrise prayers as well. As a matter of fact, when my schedule shifts to second shift, probably the whole routine is going to start being sunrise instead of sunset prayers. Um, that I record, but it's a, yeah. So like spirit set me up for the process, but it didn't clue me in ahead of time that that's what it was doing. It's funny how sneaky spirit can actually be. Yeah. And like, I, the other thing I started doing was every couple of years, I will go through my Oracle deck and, one card a week. I will pull a card and I'll sit with it for a week. Started doing that recently. It's been a couple of months now and I'm getting pummeled by them too. So anybody who's had a reading from me and has been beaten by them, you know, I'm getting my payback for that. Just so you guys know. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm sorry. You were warned. Um, but I, I did kind of want to, I, I knew our conversation together tonight was going to be really long, but there are, there are a couple of things that I want to talk about that were addressed or asked on the discord. And I think um, mm-hmm. two of them go really well together. Um, one of them is how do you all keep having faith? And then the other one kind of, I, I feel like sort of connects together is how do you know when something you receive is from a God? Um, and one was from our, our dear listener, Fen. We love you. And then the other one is from a, a new uh, individual on our uh, discord and uh, Wendy sky kicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank oh, you for who wants, to, who wants to launch into answers first on that one? So to me, um, so I choose to believe faith is an emotion. You know, faith is, is a kind of trusting and I don't always have it. Um, we, we mix up belief and faith in this culture and we can thank Christianity quite a lot for that. But Taking, you can be um, the most devout Catholic and never take a leap of faith because the articles of how you worship and what you do and the, the thought you have while doing it, it's, it's not as based in faith as is based in belief. There's a reason why they recite the Nicene Creed 
at every mass. It's because they come together in belief. They don't always all come together in faith. Um, I, the faith for me has, has kind of taken on this very, almost ephemeral quality. There are times where I, I know I have faith that the things are going to turn out great. And then there are days where I don't have any faith at all that the ground under my feet is all that solid. So I have to put my feet down on the ground and go, yep, that's solid. <laughs> I believe the ground is holy. I believe the ground is there. But whether or not it's going to be solid today is an article of faith sometimes. Um, I, I hope that makes sense. To me, it, it, the, the notion of having faith versus having belief and acting on it are, are kind of different. They're different. They're different animals. And we mix them up a lot in this culture. For me, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Sarenth. Um Belief and faith in our culture oftentimes go in the same hand, but for me, they're very different things. Um, I have struggled, and I do still struggle from time to time. I don't think there is any such thing as getting over it, in air quotes, um, I think it's part of human nature. For me, faith and trust are synonymous of one another. They are mm -hmm. very similar in that respect to where trust can waver the same way that faith can waver. Um, and because I've struggled so much with that word in my life, um, I have dropped the term faith and I started using the word trust and a lot of that is I'm learning how to have unyielding trust in those that I know that have my best interest at heart and those are it's not all the gods it's not all the spirits I have very select few that I have utmost trust in that I give my hardest problems to. And I say, I cannot do this on my own. I trust that you can help me with this. Um, but to kind of incorporate the second question behind it, how do you know um, when you receive something from the gods um, there was something that I had been wanting from the very get-go of my practice. Um, and I was kind of obsessive about getting it. And I had searched online trying to find it. And I had asked every um, person that I knew that dealt with dead things about possibly obtaining this item. And in the 10 years that I've been doing this, I, it, I've never found one. It has never come to my door. Um, and I decided at the beginning of this year, I said, okay, to the items, item, I should say, when I am in a place to where I'm questioning whether or not I'm in the right spot or if I'm going in the right direction, I would like you to show up. If you never show up, that's fine. I'll accept that. But I'll keep moving forward. But when that moment comes where my trust is wavering and I'm ready to give up and I can't move forward, even though I should, 
I need you. I need you to show up. That happened to me Monday. This item showed up in our yard. My stepson found it and brought it inside and said, hey, I found this thing outside for you. He's not religious. He's not spiritual at all. He asks us questions here and there. He has a mild curiosity over it, but it's more of like a, meh, I don't really care. I'm 16, don't care. So when he handed me this thing, I, I had to stop and I had to think about it. And I had to go, I do trust them. I do trust mm -hmm. this moment because I know this came from them. This is something I've been wanting for a very long time and I finally let it go. I put, I tacked something to it, tacked something very important to it, something I very much needed. And when it showed up in my yard, I knew that was the moment because I was thinking of giving up because the work I'm doing right now is super hard. And it's very taxing and it's very tiring. And I'll tell you what, I wrote a story today. It's the first story I've written in two months. Awesome. And so that's how I know. That's how I know that I can trust them. That's how I know that that was a gift from them because I put such a weight on it. I put such a message on it. And I knew that it showed up when I needed it the most. So I think my answer to that, to both of those, is going to, it'll be kind of tied together. And I can see where this might be a little bit triggering for some people. So I'm going to approach it a little sideways at first here. A lot of times with the Peruvian ceremonies, the fire ceremony and the, the spachos and a few of the other things we do, a lot of times when we're asking for things, we will approach it from a standpoint of saying thank you in advance, just having the trust that it's going to happen if it's meant to happen and that they will provide the way. But that's also kind of why I think it's triggering in a sense, like, I got to be honest, there's a lot of times I don't have faith, right? But at the same point in time, it can be really hard to decide when the gods or gods, uh, goddesses did or did not give you something because is there ever really a time where they're not part of your life when you're, you just might not be aware of it at that moment, and I can see where that might be trigger, triggering for some people because that's a little too close to Christianity sometimes, even for myself. But, you know, I, I'm going under the assumption that, you know what, the old man or the mountains or jaguar or whoever else is around, even when I'm not actively speaking to them, even when I'm not actively asking them for things. So when I do ask them for things, it kind of feels like, Sometimes it happens faster than others, and sometimes it's easier for me to see the mechanics of that motion. But I, I just kind of assume uh, my mind has a structure that they're always there anyway. So that, I think, maybe relates a little bit to your answer, Sarah, the beliefs versus faith. I believe they're always there, even though I don't always have a lot of faith that what I want to happen is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, or, or even, or even phrased a different way. Yes, I have faith that the spirits have wings. I also have faith that mother earth has gravity. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Where, where, I'm, where I'm coming at it is I believe the gods are real. And I also trust 
Odin to be Odin. You know, I have faith Fair. that Odin is going to be Odin. Fair. Whether or not that materially benefits me, Odin is still going to be Odin. The goddess uh, Yorth is still going to be underneath my feet, whether or not I'm sure of how solid she is. You know, I make a choice every day to believe in my gods and to live my life in accordance with that belief. Uh, faith is a funny thing when your default is a, is the belief that the gods are real and many because it's not like you have to believe that there's an omniscient omnipotent omnibenevolent god out there somewhere who happens to just like you for being you but also has a list of, of arbitrary rules that you have to follow and yet also says he unconditionally loves you i don't have yeah. to do the mental gymnastics <laughs> right. so it's a well, lot when less there's fucking complicated when there's lots of gods and goddesses, it becomes kind of like parents. Oh, well, he asked for it. No, you're going to spoil him. <laughs> Not before he does his shadow work. You cannot keep giving them dessert before they do their shadow work. And but stop giving good. them swords. They're going to hurt themselves. It's a lesson. <laughs> but it's very educational. Thank you. Oh, God, I'm so <laughs> happy you went through with that. Thank you, brother. I mean... <laughs> um. And I think that's that's really like faith is less about the gods and more about my place in things or where mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. It has less to do with the gods because if I believe the gods are real, then that fixes a whole boatload of ontological questions that I no longer have to worry about actively. What it what that means for me is where is my thread going? How am I part of the tapestry? Not am I part of the tapestry? Where's my tapestry going? That's what I don't know. I have faith it's going to a good place because of the work I'm doing. If I'm going to like the place when I get there is a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's equally true. Spirit work, magic work, you name it. I mean, when you, when you get right down to brass tacks, once you send your intention out into the world, whether it's the lessons you've accumulated as a person in the community that you are part of, and something as simple as planting a seed in the ground. You have faith, not that the seed is real, but that the seed is going to grow. You know, when I, when I planted this garden and we planted the green bean seeds, we had faith that they would grow. Now, that faith was rewarded. We do have green beans that have come up. Ain't nowhere near the amount we planted, but we had faith that at least some of them would make it. So this is like where we get into the, the thing of where absolute faith is not a requirement, and this is why we're much more, much less hard about faith being a big, big need here. Like, if I put corn in the ground and it's been cooked, it ain't going to do shit no matter how much faith I have in it. <laughs> like, congrats, you did put a corn seed in the ground, you dumbass. It's cooked. It ain't doing anything. I think one of the coolest things that has ever been said um, was something, and something you still do, Jim, is during when you have your your Carol Fire ceremonies in big groups, you ask every participant there that in this moment, at this time, I want you to be all in, have one hundred percent faith. Yep. Don't think about the faith that you're going to have on Monday. Don't think about the faith that you had 10 minutes ago. Right here, right now, while we're doing the work, have full faith. Be all in. 
and I that and I, I don't remember when you started doing that and I feel like it was recently within the last couple of years but when you came out with that I was like oh my god he's right it doesn't matter how much faith you have because to me, faith is the same as willpower. Nobody has endless amounts of willpower. We all crack at some point. It doesn't matter how meticulous you are about your diet. One of these days, you're going to eat a fucking cookie. And it's going to be delicious. And that's fine. So your, your faith is going to falter sometimes. And that's okay. But when you're doing the work, or when you're asking for something, have faith that the ones that you're asking will give it to you, but also have faith that if they keep it from you, it's for good reason. Because mm-hmm. it's the whole analogy with the dog who wants the chocolate, even though the chocolate is harmful to the dog. He doesn't understand why he just wants the chocolate, but you as the owner, you know, that chocolate could kill him. So you just hope that, he understands that you're not being harmful to him by keeping the chocolate away from him. The tricky thing with faith is sometimes that it's not even faith in them that really makes a difference. It's faith in myself. Yeah. Like, do I have faith that I have been able to put out the proper prayers or that I'm important enough to catch their attention or what I'm asking for is important enough or that I have faith in myself that I can power through whatever obstacles crop up or, you know, yeah, faith in or belief in deity to me a lot of times is easier than in having that faith in myself. I'd agree with that. I would say my faith in myself wavers a lot more than my faith in them. And Amy brings up a good point that borders into self-esteem. I mean, when we're talking about religious faith, that's, I mean, it can or cannot cross that, that threshold because, I mean, if you lose faith in yourself, then you lose faith in the experiences you've had. Therefore, you lose faith in the gods. So, I mean, it's it's a slippery slope because um, being that we're largely experiential religions, you know, losing self-esteem to the point of where, oh, that, that thing with the god or goddess couldn't have possibly happened because I'm not worthy, deconstructs the entire relationship and destroys belief. Right, right. Which I think is another aspect of that being all into ritual at the moment. Um, Because it's not just a matter Mm -hmm. of saying, during this moment, I'm all in in my belief or faith that something can happen. It's being all in in that moment that I am possible, I'm capable, this is the right moment, this is the right time. So it's got to be an internalized faith in that moment that you're going all in as well. I can return to doubt later, but that moment, I really need faith in myself. Which is tricky, because sometimes you have to give yourself permission to do that. It's the hard part. (laughs) Jim, don't read that comment from Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Just ignore it. It's not there. That's okay. I'll read it. But sometimes you're all in because they have they have a facilitator such as you, and they put their faith in you, and that's, that's true. Great. Yeah, that's fine. And that's where your own um, faith being a buttress comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if they have faith in think, you, you got to have faith in what you're doing. I've seen that a lot, and I and I've recognized that over the years because um, there might be a ritual or a ceremony where I'm like, that was all right. 
I felt the energy moving, but it was in like 10 minutes later. So I'm like, that was amazing. So there's um, an involvement. I've evolved in my stance in, in over the years, you know, just realizing that it is so experiential. It has to be, it can be the most powerful ritual in the world for them. It just doesn't mean that I, but all I have to do is my part well. And, and so if doing my part well means that they have faith in me and that faith in me means the ritual works for well, the well for them, that's, that's all well and good. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I won't even, I won't even shy away from it that time. How about that? <laughs> I mean, cause if we're talking about faith as strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof, that's its own slippery slope. And we've kind of already touched on that, but we're talking about complete right. trust or confidence in someone or something, not necessarily gods or we're talking about facilitators. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. long as they believe yeah. that, you know, your shit, sometimes that's all that it takes for people to get across that, that bridge. True. You're right. You're right about that. Um, I'll be right back, you guys. Sunset prayers. I'll be right back. Alrighty. Should we just sit here quietly while he's gone? Nah. <laughs> oh. You guys don't know how to sit there quietly. Oh. <laughs> I, I can try. Ted fail miserably. <laughs> this is true. I so to change it a little bit, I finished playing my second playthrough of Red Dead Redemption 2 and OMFG that is such a good game it's such a good game I haven't played it yet all the way through I'm not I met to the second campground so don't spoil it please oh no oh I want to talk about it so bad let's let's talk around it <laughs> yeah no the the mechanics of the game are beautiful the story is fucking phenomenal my first playthrough i would spend eight to ten sometimes 12 hours a day playing that damn game trying to get through to the end just to see what would happen and even though i had it spoiled for me on accident and i won't say who did it um it was still a shocking moment in the game i guess but i don't know i i'm I feel like I've been struggling so hard over these last couple of weeks or months. I'm not even really sure at this point because it's, you know, we're sort of out of quarantine, so it doesn't really fucking matter. You know, nothing really matters anymore at this point. Yes, time is relative at this point. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, But we just started, uh, playing D&D again after taking months off mm. and it's uh, Matt is DMing for us and we had like eight hours I think we played on Sunday and it was such a Damn. <sighs> a revitalizing force in our lives I mean Colin mm-hmm. had been pestering us for a long time to play and it was just nice to get back into that creative mind, that thinking on your feet and being real quick about it and having to not only have this new character in your head who also has a voice that is not your own and try to act in the moment as that character would. And it it gave me a nice moments pause from who I am which is why I love D&D so much because it allows me to exist in the world as another person for a short while 
Absolutely. So what about you? What about, I mean, outside of work, what have you been doing that's new? Oh, gods. Um, I mean, we were talking about soul healing the other day. And, uh, <gasps> baby. Yes, that's my, that's my little girl. Hey, sweetie, what's up? Hi, sweetie. That's her. She, um... (laughs) She's so cute. So my wife went up with the kids to get some ice cream, and she brought me back some. (gasps) I'm so jealous. I can't eat ice cream. Stupid lactose intolerance. I love you, too. Thank you. (laughs) What a sweetheart. Anyway, um... I'm sorry. I completely missed the boat. What were we talking about? (laughs) What have you been doing outside of working and spiritual work? Like what type of pleasurable acts have you been finding yourself in? Honestly, my spirit work is pleasurable. Um, So like I spent a good hour or so last night setting up the templates for my um, Patreon stuff, which is Mm -hmm. a form of spiritual work. So, you know, I set up the Q&As, I set up the topics, and I set up the, the poem and prayer posts so that all I have to do when I'm ready to write is just jump into them and go. Um, this is why I off, often said, oh, I did say soul healing, didn't I? Yeah. Um, so what about, oh, soul healing. So keeping myself working on that stuff is part of it. Mm-hmm. Keeping my daily work, whether it's just doing the three breaths before the altar, before you pray at night, uh, keeping my my regular rhythms that I talk about so much on this show. Um, the discipline for me is part of the joy work and the soul healing because it gives me a solid foundation to to break to, to build the rest off of. Mm-hmm. Soul healing for me has also been spending a lot more time at Crossing Hedgerow Sanctuary and Farm and on the. Uh, land that we're getting built on now that I mentioned at the start of the show. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful to have that work available to me. That's, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm looking to lose weight and I'm looking to come into better relationship with the land and I can do both. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, you know, I keep, I've talked to you about this for a long time, but I keep meaning to teach you Tai Chi. It helps with balancing uh, diabetes. It helps keeping your sugars regulated. It keeps blood pressure down. It helps you build strength. It's a martial art. I'm shocked. (laughs) Weird, right? And it's super gentle. And super gentle, especially as we get older, is is a good thing because um, it's one of the things about Aikido that people often mistake is like, oh, that's, oh, it's a very gentle martial art. I'm like, have you seen some of these ninety year olds flip their students? Yeah, gentle my ass. Yeah, but Tai Chi really is because it's under the, um, it's under the umbrella of Qigong, and Qigong is, uh, the healing art of Tai Chi Chuan and Tai Chi is the martial aspect of it. So it is a fighting style, um, but you're meant to do it very slowly and then eventually build up to more speed. However, I always do it slow, always methodically, slowly. I get my breath into it. It's in, you were talking about routine that 
that is a huge part of my spiritual practice. Even though I don't feel that, that spiritual energetic zap, I guess, every day, it's the fact that I still do it every day. And I have that routine. I have, I do my Tai Chi, I do my walking, I do yoga, and then I do meditation and prayers. That is my process. That is yeah. my discipline. And even though I, there are some days where I drag myself through it, those are the most important days because I still do it. Mm-hmm. There are some days where I wake up on Thursdays. Thursdays are my work days at Crossing Hedgerows for folks in the show I haven't told. Um, the thing with, with Crossing Hedgerows being on my docket every morning, every, every Thursday morning at 10, is that that's something I get to look forward to and also dread, depending on how much sleep I get the night before. Um, but there are some times where I'll intentionally keep myself up because I'm a midnighter. And the way that I get myself to sleep is I will work at CHSF and then crash after I eat something when I get home. Yeah, And so, you know, the work at the farm serves to regulate and discipline my body. So I keep my proper sleep schedule. Um, you know, in terms of soul healing, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do for soul healing now has to do with putting my hands in the earth and doing something useful. Um, being as isolated as I have been, the, the routine is comforting and it's also a way for me to intentionally bring myself full circle because the discipline and the routine are set. I know what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it. And it's comfort for me. And there are some people who will chafe like hell at that. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll move my routine around a bit. Like lately, instead of doing my... Um, grounding, cleansing, centering routine every single day. No questions asked. I've been a little more gentle with myself since uh, things have happened in my personal life that I don't know if we have time to get into because it's almost nine o'clock. Um, but the work that I do, the work is teaching me how to do the work. So the soul healing is coming out of the discipline because the discipline sets me up to be a more receptive and to be more in the moment for when I sit down to write the poetry, write the article or to do my own personal journey work. So the discipline for me is huge because it sets the stage for all the other stuff to occur. Because if I'm cleansed, grounded, centered and shielded, I'm not sitting there fighting with myself or with anything else outside of me. I already have my boundaries well and firmly set and I know where I'm at and I know where I am and I know who I am. And then I can go, okay, if we got healing work, I'm in a space where I can accept it now. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. But there's also a minor downfall when it comes to having routine, having the same thing every day is that, yes, it can be a grind for some people. But for others, the magic can go out of it. And it can just become this monotonous thing like a job that you do every day that you get up and you okay I say my prayers and I do this and I smudge and or I cleanse and I I make offerings and all this stuff and it 
sometimes it'll take shaking up of that routine to kind of bring you back into it. So it's okay if that happens, but just be aware of it when it does. Right. Which is why I'm not doing the, the, the routine every single day right now, because it's all, it's an equal parts of being gentle with myself and bringing in a new uh, cleansing healing regimen that uh, Chiron turned me on to. Um, and really it's simple. It's literally just sitting under the shower like I usually do, praying to the water and praying to the water spirits and then asking them not only to cleanse me, but also to bless my heart. Mm-hmm. That's some intense rough shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And just that opening up and getting washed out and getting cleaned in that fashion is, you know, that is definitely soul healing. I would tell you what. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I, when I was going through the chakra system, uh, that was a process that I used to open up my heart to the universe. Um, and that there, there were a few days where I sobbed in the shower, ugly cry. And it was probably a good thing I was in the shower because it's not tears, everything, the whole caboodle. Mm-hmm. But now that Jim is back, Next time, I'm. I think I'm going to take the uh, phone with and and stay tuned in with the Zoom app because you guys just missed me chasing down all the chickens that decided they were going to free range that shit today. So <laughs> <laughs> I go outside to do the prayers. I walk outside and I've got the lighter, I've got the incense stick, and I look over towards the chicken run. <laughs> Six of them, just their little drumsticks come running because when they say humans, that means treats. You know, they come and then they realize they don't got treats and they run away. It's a heel fast. <laughs> <laughs> See, spirit work. Oh. Yeah, right. So you're saying your chickens are as stubborn as your students? <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, he can get the chickens to come to him with treats. I don't know about the students. Oh, no, that worked too. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, yeah, treats worked on us too. <laughs> not gonna lie <laughs> what, what's that Jim has cookies <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I just lost my Bluetooth well oh. gentlemen do we, do we think we've uh, talked about enough hard things tonight I think so I don't know about you guys I'm feeling pretty tired now mm-hmm. <laughs> energized but tired at the same time yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I would like to do another one of these episodes sometime soonish rather than laterish. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we'll see how the rescheduling with the guests go. We might have a bunch mm-hmm. of them say, uh, we can't do Saturdays, so we might be doing a lot of shows on our own. Who knows? We'll right. find out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we will uh find out, won't we? Before we leave, I want everybody to plug their Patreons, their blogs, their their stuff. Because we are not very good at that, and I just remembered to do it. So, so mine is the easiest because I got the one thing. Uh, it's WordPress.com. Uh, I think backslash Storm Paco. S T O R M P A Q O. Um, and actually, I should have a new story up, hopefully latest by Friday. I actually have a couple of very brave individuals who are going to help me out in the editing process because I'm trying to get into the quote-unquote writer's mind because writers have people who read their stuff beforehand, right? Excellent. So I'm going to send the uh, second draft 
to them, have them read it over, give me tips, pointers, tell me what they liked, what they didn't like, and then fix it and display it to the world because we'll figure it out as we go, I guess. Absolutely. All right, Jim? Uh, mine, patreon.com forward slash spiritual dad. Uh, as it stands right now, I've added a few extra tiers. So there's one where it's just a support level, a couple higher levels where you're also in, in addition to the coaching that I was doing, you're going to get uh, monthly readings and um, I'm running one right now where anybody who signs up for the next few days, I forget the exact same window. Um, it'll be prompting you for a physical address because new and renewing members are going to get an actual physical postcard from me. So that's kind of fun. And I'm also sometime this coming week, uh, it'll probably be Tuesday of next week, Tuesday morning, I'll be dropping a brand new podcast that I'm doing called Tea with Two, where I'm going to be interviewing some uh, TikTokers on their their passion and their projects and the stuff that they're working on. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, did you you did plug? Okay, you did plug your Patreon. That's right. Um, yeah, got my Patreon in there. Yep. Yeah. What about your TikTok? What's your username there? Why? Shockingly, it's Jim Two Snakes. Excellent. <laughs> and the uh, new podcast, you'll be able to find that. I'll I'll put something out on our Discord and that, and when when that goes live as well, I'll be recording probably quite a bit this weekend. Uh, I managed to get some pretty cool people lined up. My my objective is to get people people from all across the spectrum. So I've got some. Uh, people with uh, African spirituality, Native American spirituality, uh, some musicians, some cosplayers. I've got a, quite a few people lined up. So I'm just kind of running the gamut. I'm not going to limit it to any one area. It's just people I find interesting. So it'll be short format, aiming for like a 20-minute interview as opposed to the marathons that we do. So. Excellent. That's fantastic. I am excited for those. Likewise. Any opportunity to not hear myself speak, I'll listen to it. <laughs> I don't listen to these after they, they air. Oh, see, I do. I'm consistently <laughs> reviewing. Sarah, yeah, Sarah, what about you? Plug your stuff. All right, fine. So my Patreon is patreon.com backslash S-A-R-E-N-T-H O-D-I-N-S-S-O-N and that Patreon is hooked into my WordPress blog, which is sarnth.wordpress.com. Uh, that's where all of my writing takes place, except for the Q&As. The Q&As are on the Patreon. You've got to sign up for Thurisaws and above level tiers if you want that. Also, I am working on bringing out tiers where I do mentorship. Uh, I may be incorporating them into current tiers, so expect those to be at least on Sue's level, which is 26 bucks and above. Um, I'm looking at incorporating the mentor work into different tiers. Like I said, on Susan above, the uh, other thing that I'm looking at possibly doing are tiers incorporated into the Patreon and separate, depending on what people want, uh, for workshops that people have been asking me to, to put online somewhere. And I went, okay, but like you understand there's like five, ten years worth of work that goes into these, right, for some of these. <laughs> So people are like, well, if you put it on the Patreon, we'll 
will throw at you. So, okay, fine. I guess that I got to figure out how to how to swing that and where the Patreon tiers are going to take place for that. Um, but I'm thinking probably Ansu's level or above. Um, just to kind of keep it simple for me. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Very cool. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and call that a show. And any other questions that we didn't get to, well, that gives us spotter for next time. So... Uh, thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in and listening to us. We really appreciate it, the outpouring of support we get. I love all the activity that we have on our Discord. It's just an amazing community, and we really appreciate all of you. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening to us. And we'll see you next time around the fire. Thank you.